oh oh god that's that's a diaper (laughs) that's a used diaper it's like i don't even have children and i know that's a used diaper the guy i'm with he has three kids he's like that's a used diaper so we cut it take a nibble it's like that's exactly it tastes exactly like it smells welcome to the brew news pod all the news is fit to be brewed. I'm Travis Matherly. And I'm Andrew Jennings. And, and drinking a beer. Yeah, and in the middle of a set. And this week, we are doing Commonwealth Brewing out of Richmond. Or no, sorry, not Richmond. Virginia Beach. Virginia Beach, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I was talking about uh, uh, Triple Crossing. Yeah. <laughs> the Vale earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Andrew, do you have Commonwealth Brewing? I have only ever had Commonwealth from you. Ah, when I'm t- when we're together, I have never bought Commonwealth. I've never seen it out. Um, admittedly, I don't go to the same bottle shops you g- generally visit. I don't have a Brolo that does picks up random stuff from his <laughs> bottle shop that he works at. Um, you know, I think actually, I do think some of my Commonwealth has come from Cody because they get it at Ridgewood. Mm-hmm. So, Travis, what was your first time with Commonwealth? You know, honestly, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've had. A handful of Commonwealth beers, like I think one time I had Hansel, which is like a triple IPA of theirs. I've had, uh, I think it's called Green Ghost, which is an IPA. I've had a, I've had a handful of their beers, but nothing. I don't remember distinctly the first time that I ever had it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think I've ever had a beer from them that I would not have again. Okay, fair yeah. enough. So with that being said, let's move on to the founding and history of Commonwealth Brewing. Yep. So they opened on September 6th, 2015. Their tagline is, Drink the Wealth. Yep, because Virginia is a commonwealth. Yeah. It's not a state. It's, it's a commonwealth. one of like two or three. I know Pennsylvania is a commonwealth. Yeah, Virginia and I don't know who else. Is it maybe Massachusetts? Maybe. Uh, I don't I have no idea. I don't know. But they're a commonwealth, not a state. Yes. <clears throat> and they are located at 2444. Pleasure House Road, Virginia Beach, VA. So we're doxing them now? Throwing out their address like they're not I mean, a public entity? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like they're not a public entity? <laughs> but yeah, uh, they're located in Virginia Beach, and they were founded by Jeremy and Natalie Biggie. Yes, Biggie. Biggie. B-I-G-G-I-E. Biggie. Mm, Biggie. Yep. Jeremy got into beer while he was on a brewery and beer hall tour in Europe. When he was visiting his then girlfriend Natalie, who was on a, I've seen two different versions of this. I've seen a study abroad, and I've seen a two-year backpacking slash bumming it around Europe trip. You could be doing both. <laughs> yeah. So one article I read claimed he said that she was studying abroad, and then the other article said that she was. Their website says she was backpacking and just like bumming around Europe for two years because I mean. Why Everybody not? needs a gap year or two, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would love a, have loved a gap year. My yeah. gap year was 2010 when there was... Between your bachelor's and your master's? Yeah. When <laughs> there was just, um, you know, no jobs. Yes. And I had, too. I totally had the funds to travel to Europe for two... I'm not bitter. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they, uh, during this article, uh, Jeremy said that he had visited her three times while she was studying abroad. Specifically, they had visited Bomberg, the Schlinkerla brewery oh andrew schlinkerla sounds so familiar if you would uh refer back to our smoked beer episodes you would know very much about the schlinkerla brewery yeah and you would know that we still can't pronounce it yep absolutely can't (laughs) can't pronounce it then can't pronounce it now admittedly it's only been like 30 minutes and we are a little bit more schlinked than we were (laughs) yeah we're a little bit more schlinkerla than we were previously yeah no so uh he was the article i read said that jeremy was like enthralled with like the beer hall like mm-hmm. community vibe like how beer was such like an integral part of the culture and like this is where people came to hang out and meet and talk and socialize and like he loved that community aspect of it so that sparked his love for beer so he became a home brewer like andrew yeah ironically though it's funny that they met in baumberg and they don't do any smoked beers to my knowledge 
Well, he didn't meet Natalie and Bamberg. They were already dating. Yeah, she was okay. over there, and he went and visited her. But yeah, it is interesting that they don't do any smoked beers, and that's where he spent a lot of his time. Yeah, details. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> so after years of home brewing, and uh, from his own admission, saying that the hobby essentially took over their life and house, he said he had their basement, garage, and every tub was full of homebrew. That's amazing. Yes. That's a bad idea, uh, but that is amazing. <laughs> he said they decided to begin the process of opening a brewery in roughly like 2013. They decided to take it from a hobby to a mm-hmm. full-fledged brewery. Yeah. Now their focus is on farmhouse, Belgians, a huge American hop styles, and the wide breadth of open fermentation. Yes. Um, that part's weird. Everything else, though, farmhouse Belgians and uh, IPAs effectively, is, when you say huge American hop, you're talking about IPAs. Yeah. Um, those are all three fairly forgiving styles that have very um, varied uh, requirements. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to, like, it doesn't have to be crystal clear with exactly uh, 4.5% alcohol and, you know, 22.5 IBUs. Like it's, those are all very broad styles, which makes perfect sense, especially for a new place starting up. But the open fermentation, I find fascinating. Because that is dangerous as hell if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And so part of the articles that I was reading when I was researching this, he said that, you know, part of the reason they went into the full scale production is that he said he had essentially brewed every major style that there was Mm -hmm. and considered himself proficient at it. And that he was brewing so much more beer than he could possibly drink that his house had become the neighborhood drinking spot where people just came to get beer because he had so much he had to just give it away because he couldn't drink it fast enough. Um, It's a homebrew problem. I acknowledge that. (laughs) And so with that being said, within their brew house facility, they also have a 200-barrel cellar which houses their long-term aging beers. So they're (laughs) fermenting beers, they're barrel-aged stuff. Uh, But Andrew, Jeremy's not always a brewer. Oh, and was he it was now? not also a uh, cohort to a European backpack backpacking vacation. True. Um, he was actually a structural engineer who worked for our good friends at Northrop Grumman, in case you need that missile for your life. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> uh, defense contractors to the stars. Yes. Um, he was working on concept designs for nuclear submarines. Yes. <laughs> so he said he worked on future concept and designs of nuclear subs. Uh, I'm not reading that. <laughs> Oh, come on, Andrew. (laughs) Andrew's Uh, jealous of my joke. He must have had a meltdown (laughs) to become a brewer. (laughs) Because why would you ever leave that job? I mean, it's a nuclear submarine, right? Nothing go wrong. Chernobyl, anybody? Three Mile Island? No? Okay. So he... uh, (laughs) You mean U-Boat 235? Yes. I'm sorry. The Hunt for Red October. Are we just naming... U-235 is uh, uranium-235. Yes. Yes, it's radioactive uranium. I was just thinking of Sean Connery. Oh. Hunt for Red October. <clears throat> we shall hunt for Red October. <laughs> I've never seen the film. I assume that's what he says. It's probably not far off. Uh, hunt for Red October. Sean Connery was playing a Russian, I believe, with a deep Scottish accent. <laughs> <laughs> yes, comrade. Bring me the Russian, <laughs> the Germans, my comrade. <laughs> das Vidan, your comrade. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> So Jeremy, at this time, when he worked for Northrop Grumman, uh, said he was working in Newport News, Virginia, but he was living in the Chesapeake Bay area of Virginia, um, which is when he fell in love with that area of Virginia Beach and the Chesapeake Bay. He like picked up surfing. He did a bunch of other stuff. For the record, this is all called Hampton Roads. Uh, for those of you that don't know your parts of Virginia, oh. I did not until a conference years ago. Uh, yes, that is the Hampton Roads area of Virginia. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So during this time, Jeremy also got his MBA, just like Andrew. Yeah. Just kind of different. Probably from a different institute. Not easy. I'm sorry, ECU. Damn, son. You're coming at me. Coming at me. <laughs> like you, can come for, you can come for any of my universities. Just know that you share one of them. I do. Which is why I'm going at ECU. <laughs> because as a true NC Stater, you have an aversion to ECU. It was so much cheaper. I saved like 15k. And I stand by my ECU comment. I saved saved like 15 to 20k by doing ECU. There you go. Um, And so after this, uh, Jeremy actually left his structural engineering job at Northrop Grumman to work in software design and development as a government contractor, from what I could tell. But he became fed up with the uh, bureaucracy and slow pace of government contracting. God. Yeah, I can see that be a problem. 
So Natalie actually was the chief of public affairs for the U.S. Coast Guard. So this... They were a yeah. high-achieving couple. Can we say power couple? Power couple. We can say power couple, They right? were a power couple. Yeah. So um, the, the family eventually moved back to Virginia Beach and began looking for a sweet, sweet spot to yeah, so I don't know brew this sweet, sweet beer. He didn't say where they had moved to during his software engineering day. I'm imagining they probably moved like somewhere up near D.C. or like Maryland. Yeah. Because <clears throat> she was... It, I think it said she was the chief of public affairs for the U.S. Coast Guard at National Headquarters, which I assume is in D.C. probably. You would think. I You would think, but I have no idea. Yeah. And I didn't bother to So that, that's where they were. They had moved yeah. for her for a job, and now they were moving they back. They had moved for jobs, and then, but they mm-hmm. still love the Chesapeake Bay Area and moved back. And interestingly enough, Commonwealth is 100% family-owned with zero outside investment. Well, when you're making bank for years. Well, yeah. He did say in a couple of the articles that he, they essentially had to drain all of their retirement accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, his wife had quit their job so they could move back to the Virginia Beach area to pursue it. So he was still working. So they were down to a one-income family. They had, like I think, two kids. Mm-hmm. And they were taking all of their savings, all of their retirement, everything, and like help from family to try and fund this brewery that they start. Right. But he said they did, I guess they were approached and had the opportunity to take outside investment and declined it because they wanted to have complete control. That's fair. It I, is completely fair. So they are, actually, I'll let Trav talk about the location because he, he has a little bit more um, uh, invested. Uh, so when we talk about the location, Commonwealth Brewing is located in a former fire station. Uh, so we have ties between both Andrew and I, a fellow mba for Andrew and a uh, firefighter for me. Uh, they are located in the old Chesapeake Beach number four volunteer fire and rescue station. Um, funny enough, he was talking about that, said that they had a deal to buy the location. He said his wife texted him or called him one day and said, I found the spot. He said he knew it because they used to jog by it when they lived mm-hmm. in the Chesapeake Bay area. They had a deal to buy the property and then approached the city and said, hey, we want to put a brewery in this location. And the city said, ah. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me, city. The city said, you want to do what? A den of sin in our neighborhood, in our good Christian neighborhood? I think not. <laughs> it sounds very Virginia. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, good Lord. Uh, but even the city saying this, do you think that stopped him from actually opening anything? Do you think that stopped Andrew's fellow nba or Absolutely not. Absolutely. Do you think we would be stopped by... If we have a dream, we have a vision... you think you would be stopped by local government? If we <laughs> want to bring jobs and bring beer to the people, will we be silenced? Will you stop us? I say nay. <laughs> no, because nay! you will submit it with hard economic data. <laughs> Bring me your data, city, of why you do not want a brewery that will bring income, opportunities, and fun and frolic within the whole community. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not opening. You're running for uh, city council. You wouldn't win here. Uh, no, my district, my district is gerrymandered as hell. But yeah, well, that's another conversation. But actually, the reason the city denied their application says that um, the. The location was in a business district, like zoned for business, and that didn't allow for breweries somehow. But I feel like we've run into that a lot where like breweries, like even in North Carolina, we have that issue where breweries don't fall into Mm a bar and they don't fall into a restaurant. Or an industrial district. Or industrial. So they were like in North Carolina, they were lumped into restaurants. Well, have you uh, actually know that they weren't? Uh, Have you ever been to Gizmo Brewing? Brewing. So Gizmo in Raleigh was originally Roth Brothers Brewing. The Roth Brothers were in band with me. I knew them uh, in college. So they opened a brewery right after college, went there once or twice. Couldn't find the damn place because it's in the middle of an industrial park. Because it is class, because they're a brewery and they were brewing and they were producing something, they are not considered a bar. They are considered a they were considered manufacturer. manufacturer. So they were in the middle of this like manufacturing industrial park way out Glenwood. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it made no damn sense, but that was where they were zoned for. But yeah, you get that a lot with beer, with breweries is like you get weird zoning. Uh, we've been to Brewprint and it's like in the middle of like a business. It's in the middle of an industrial mall? complex. Yeah. Like yeah. it's like a 
a bunch of industrial buildings and office space. Like that's pretty much it. And I mean, that's kind of when we were in Vermont, like Burlington Beer Works is in that kind of location. Like you drove into the middle of an industrial park. There was a CrossFit gym in Burlington Beer Works and then like manufacturers. And that was it. But I think like that's a problem with state and local governments is they don't know how to classify breweries Mm -hmm. a lot of times and that doesn't fit neatly into any one category. Are they they, bars? Are they production? Are they, and then like a microbrewery. People are drinking alcohol here and a lot of that has to do on your alcohol laws based on your state and we are in the Bible Belt so that dictates a lot of what we do. And then you also run into problems like, like there's a difference between, uh, you know, the Miller Coors plant that was up in Eden versus Big Dan's facility or 1111. 1111 is, Three barrels, a three barrel building uh, facility. The course Miller course facility was producing all the PBR for the entire country. Like yep. those are two vastly different things. They need vastly different requirements. Yes. Uh, so, with that being said, did Jeremy let it stop him? Absolutely not. He submitted arguments to the city with hard economic data and research, along with tax base and revenue as well as already modified city ordinances. So he picked from Virginia Beach's city ordinances that they had modified to fit other businesses and said, you did it for them, you can do it for me. <laughs> um, he kind of, in that article, said that he had he submitted that stuff and then never heard back and had started to give up hope. Yeah. But lo and behold, 45 days later, so a month and a half later, Good Lord. the city decided that they would <clears throat> modify the ordinance to allow breweries. So Commonwealth was actually the first brewery to open in Virginia Beach under this new ordinance. That's good. That, that, that's um, We call that a first mover advantage. So he's got the first place. He's got the first exceptions. Look at you your MBA. Yeah, look, we're, <laughs> we're, we're MBA brothers. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's actually a really good thing for them to have. Um, and they can also a little bit dictate sort of the exceptions, which is good to keep out certain kinds of competition like yep. Budweiser. <laughs> no, 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 no. You said this was okay for us. They're different. Here's my proof. <laughs> I'm only allowed in here because of this. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, I did something else in the article that I didn't mention is that um, he said like they were having a hard time. Like the weekend that they were opened was Labor Day weekend that year. And the city was like not giving them their like certificate of occupancy. Permits. Like they, the final inspection was like dragging and like they, the city wasn't wanting to like hand it out. And so he like just started hounding them and said he showed up to the courthouse or wherever it was before they opened and sat there until the person came to the desk that worked there that issued the certificate of occupancy and hounded them until they handed it to him. Like they just got (laughs) tired of him being in their face and they handed him his conditional certificate of occupancy at 9 a.m. And they opened at 5 p.m. that day, and they still had to build tables. He said there was about (laughs) four or five inches of sawdust in the tap room that they had to clear out. And so um, it sounded like it was a soft opening, though, for, like, family and friends and, like, people who had helped them and support them. So um, that night. But then they had a bigger opening that weekend. For the record, cities, just let the breweries open. It's just easier that way. (laughs) It is. It really is. And it's more money for you. Yeah. So their location is actually broken up into different sections. They have the main tasting room that has two uh, 12-foot large garage doors where the old fire station doors were with uh, 16-foot ceilings. They have a uh, 30-foot bar area with 28 different taps, communal tables. That's and, almost one tap a foot. Yes, almost. One tap per linear foot. Uh, it's one tap per one foot one inch, I think. I'm just doing bad math in my head. Uh, they have communal tables and drink rails to view the brewing space. Yeah, so there's like no private tables it's all like big open very style. beer hall yeah it's very beer hall um yeah. where he gets it from yeah so it's all communal tables to encourage you to uh socialize with your fellow brew lovers bump that noise uh they also have the corduroy room it's a private relaxed overflow room that seats up to 50 people i don't know how that's private uh i think of like gia you know those two yeah. rooms like off the back like where we had our um mm-hmm. Corey and I had our rehearsal dinner. That seated 50. Like, that was their private room that they would block off for. Huh. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, seats about 50. Uh, they do have a private sound system and a projection screen and shuffleboard because that's what every room needs is yes. shuffleboard. It's an 18-foot shuffleboard. They have real shuffle. Oh, good Lord. No, no, like, not on the ground. I think it's, like, 90 grains. Like the, oh, the, but it's 18 feet long. Good Lord. Okay. There's the barrel room, 
This has benches and a dedicated sound system that can host more formal events. It and, looked almost like a wedding venue type mm-hmm. thing. Like you could use it for like a small formal wedding ceremony because it like had string lights and stuff in it and it had like pews. Oh, okay. Okay. Sort of like um, the room at... Foothills has one. Foothills. I was thinking, where's that place? Um, the winery, Stonefield. Stonefield Cellars. We've done like yep. my, my mom and my mother-in-law's like 60th birthdays. We did them there. Um, uh uh, what about this? Uh, the walls are lined with wooden barrels, and there's even a private bar for the area. Yeah, so you can, I guess, essentially hire out some staff from the brewery to staff that bar privately for you and your guests. Yeah. And then they have their outdoor beer garden. Um, I don't need to explain a beer garden to everyone, right? That's what I wrote. Cool. No, expl- no explanation <laughs> necessary. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beer garden. It has Adirondack chairs and fire pits, and it's outdoors. And it's gardens, and there's beers. Yes. So that brings us to their beer and other miscellaneous information. Because they're a newer brewery, then there's not a ton of information on yeah, them. I mean, their website and like two articles that I found. They're what, five years old? Yes. Yeah. Uh, they also, funny enough, uh, Commonwealth has a beer festival that they started pretty early, I think, and it's mm-hmm. called Common Grounds. Oh, get it? Because Commonwealth, Common Grounds. Pretty sure that's a coffee company. Sounds like one. It sounds like one. <laughs> Yeah, this is actually a collaboration-based festival where each brewery who participates brews a beer with at least one of the other participating breweries. Hmm. So it's like if you come, it's like the brewers actually come themselves, not like reps from the brewery, but it's like the brewers from that brewery show up. So it's like if Burial wanted to come, they would have to commit to brewing a beer with Someone else that's already you know coming. someone else like Dogfish Head or somebody who was coming down there to the yeah. brewery to the festival. Um, and now this is not um, this is a fairly classy event. Yeah, it is not a, a summertime brews festival. It's not a it, it, you're not trying to get everyone drunk. You're just trying to appreciate the beer together. Yeah, and that's kind of admittedly you're probably all going to get drunk. But yeah, you're going to get drunk. But yeah. he Jeremy said in one article that all of the other beer festivals that Virginia Beach had was like, he said it's just like a mess where people come to get wasted as fast as they possibly can. Mm. And it just turns into like a raucous time. And he wanted this to be more about the beer and not about getting drunk. I wonder if that has something to do with like the Virginia Beach vibe versus like around here. Cause like even with our summertime summertime brews fest, which I don't think is happening this year. um, It's happening in November. Oh, so fall time Bruce Fest. Yes. Maybe we'll go for my birthday. Hey. Hmm. Um, we could. We, oh, we could. I'm feeling old. Um, but <clears throat> you could do, um, you, with something like that, you could definitely do um, your festival. Uh, but even that, like we go, we drink good beer, and then we get drunk. Yeah. Like once we're beyond the point where we can enjoy things. So the brewers are there. And they are present to talk to the patrons of the festival about their beers and their breweries. It's not just like, you know, at Summertime's Brews Fest, we get into cases where it's like distributor reps. It's not even somebody from that brewery. It's oh, like my favorite one is volunteers. Yeah, volunteers who know nothing about the beer, nothing about the brewery. They're just like, hey, I'm here to work for the festival, and here's the station that they put me at, and here's the beer that I have, and I know nothing about it. Or you get, hey, I'm your local Budweiser rep. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is one of the brews that we distribute. Do I know anything about it? Absolutely not. It's better than nothing. Um, yeah, better than nothing. One At least the, they're in the industry. One of the festivals I usually go to is the uh, Bubbles and Brews at oh, yeah. the Science Center. They wind up having breweries that will send beer, but no rep. Oh. So um, I've had on multiple occasions, my neighbor works for the Science Center. Her husband will be a will be giving out the beer for these places so like hey larry what do you know about this beer it's like oh i don't know anything i just showed up today i'm like oh well okay that's me i just work here it's like larry (laughs) that's a saison so you want to tell people it's got this this and this notes yep (laughs) i cannot tell you how many times that happens (laughs) yeah and um i think the coolest part about this festival is it's not actually at their brewery Mm. um there's a there's a Location like I think I want to say it's like 13 miles outside of Virginia mm-hmm. Beach, and it's a 120 acre campground um, near Virginia Beach, and it sits on the Chesapeake Bay. And there's like cabins and stuff. And they rent. They said like the first year they did it, they paid for all of these cabins. Oh my god! And like all the brewers get to come down and stay for free. And like they have surf lessons for the brewers. Like they have events for the brewers that aren't related to the festival to like have a good time and like show these guys like 
the local scene and like let mm-hmm. them come and relax and enjoy themselves and just hang out with other guys in the industry um, that doesn't have to be based around this festival. Wow. So let's talk about the beers. They make and a, the beers. They make a lot of beers. And then we'll talk about the other beers. So, we're not going to. We're not going to get into all the beers. Nope. Nope. <laughs> no. So why won't we talk about all the beers, Andrew? I mean, they're only five years old. They can't have brewed that much. Well, based on your rough count, they're they've brewed over two hundred. So no, that's a negative, Ghost Rider. That was on the website. Yeah. So remember when we did Yingling? Uh, this was a Bay while ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. One of the top top craft beer yeah. brewers. In the- I, I believe in their history, their over a hundred year history, they brewed what roughly ten beers. Yeah, we drink the majority of their portfolio in one sitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was five. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was five. We drink 70% of their portfolio in one sitting. They've, Commonwealth's brewed 200, over 200. That was just on their website. Untapped listed 243. So, yeah. They're doing it. Yeah. A lot of one-offs, probably. I think like Wicked Weed, if you're from North Carolina. like that That's the kind of portfolio we're talking about here. Like, just mm-hmm. stupid large. Um, their portfolio is so big, they had to break it up by sections. So they have their Belgian farmhouse beers. Um, they have lagers, duples, quads, strong ales, saisons. They even have a black saison. I saw one that said black saison. A picture of it. And they all of their beers that they list, they have a picture of the beer. Like with the name of with the style, mm-hmm. like the name of the beer, a picture and the style of it, and they had a black saison, and I was like, "That I can make one. Do it. Let me know how it turns out. It'll. I'll drink it when it's done. Turn out. <laughs> yeah. Um, then their next section is collabs. Um, so there's all kinds of styles in this. I saw like barley wine, you know, sours, mixed fermentation stuff, IPAs. You know, you name it, they brewed it as a collab. Also, hold on, I want to go back. So they put their lagers in with their Belgians and farmhouses. Yes. Well, it just said like it's like Belgique or something. Like it was like it just said Belgium, but I was like, there's a lot of farmhouse and like Saison stuff in there. Okay. So I said, okay, Belgium slash farmhouse okay. slash Saison. I was like, whatever. why would you put loggers there? Because Belgium beers are oh, not loggers. But there were loggers in there. Good but Lord. I think they were like uh, farmhouse style stuff. I don't know. Uh, you don't know what farmhouse is. <laughs> Farmhouse is a lager, not a nail. Nope. No farmhouse. Farmhouse is a nail. Lager is not. Yep, yep. Different. I don't okay. Know, there were lagers in there, I guess. Never mind. Okay. Uh, they do have a hot forward category. We talked about before that they do a lot of IPAs. They're the biggest. That's this is their biggest category. Um, a lot of IPAs, a lot of dippas, a lot of tippas, and pale ales. Yeah. So they had a handful of pale ales. I think when I like scrolled through, like roughly, I could have probably counted on one hand the amount of pale ales in that section. Yeah. But it was like you know hot forward pale ales. But it was. Majority of its IPAs, dippas, and tippas. Yep. They do. They actually do a lot of triple IPAs for a small brewery. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've had one. I believe you. Hansel. Hansel? Hansel. He's so hot right now. Um, so they have seasonals. They also do wild and sour ales with that open fermentation. So they do sour IPAs, gozas, which we will be tasting in a little bit, uh, sour pale ales, photo beers, whoop, whoop, my favorite, uh, Tafel beer. A Tafel beer? I, that was a style that was listed in there under one, and I'd never heard of it. I've never heard of Tuffle Beer. And then, woo Bruins! Dude, Bruins, woo, old woo. brown, baby. Mm-hmm. You know it. So the seasonals included things like your regular, like, okay, this is a Pilsner that we brew seasonally. This is a Marzen. This is a, you know, a pumpkin beer. They actually had a pumpkin cream ale. Yeah, pumpkin cream ale, which I, I'm on the fence about trying. Pumpkin uh, cream ale? That'd be yes. delicious. It could be. I'm not a huge fan of cream ales. Oh, Tuffle beer is just table beer. Oh. Yeah. So German it's, for French table beer. Uh, it's, just, <laughs> it's low alcohol. Um, ses, uh, like three percenters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ses, session beer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Tuffle, if I'd have known German, I would have known that was table beer. But if they had said it in French. Table table. <laughs> in table. Table beer. Yeah. And uh, then I also wanted to touch on their can art because it's extreme oh it's awesome um yeah so in addition uh this article that i got is actually from forbes magazine it um says in addition to their stellar liquid and brewer focus collaboration festival commonwealth is known for their artistic cans this is actually designed by a british company called thirstcraft and um it's under jeremy's direction jeremy's quote says i want to be able to see the flavors i can taste inside the can so if you go to thirstcraft's uh website they have a lot of 
it looks like they do a lot of not only beer but liquor. Hmm. Um, they do a lot of design for and Commonwealth actually one of the uh, can arts that they put up there as like a display of their work. Um, but a lot of it, it looks like there's a pretty even mix of uh, beer and liquor. But it's a British company, and so all these can arts are like modern arty. There's not really like distinguishable shapes or patterns. It's yeah, it's definitely modern art. More, I would almost say photographic, less painted. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just um, they're very neat. You'll see them on our Instagram if you follow us. Uh, but Andrew, I think it's they, time to start drinking. Yeah, I mean they brew it all, and because we can't list it all. We have to drink it all. Yeah, we have to drink it all. But we only have three, maybe technically four styles of beer. If you differentiate Nipahs from IPAs. Two. Two? No, three. Oh, yeah, we have three regardless. Three regardless. <laughs> we have five beers, three styles. <laughs> yes. All right. With that being said, let's hop into the drinking portion of the episode. Whoop, whoop. first beer for this evening's drinking portion of the show is going to be the Ruby Woo. Woo! <laughs> Woo! Woo-hoo. Woo Ruby Woo. This is a sour goza. It is 6.5% ABV, no available IBUs because it probably doesn't have... Very low. Yeah. This is a mixed berry margarita goza with raspberry, blackberry, strawberry, key lime, and pink Himalayan sea salt. And it's pink. Oh yeah. It's reddish. It's pink. Remember that um, that one we did, I think, for the Patreon a while back, that, like, lacto, um, lime, raspberry oh, um, thing? It was like a creamsicle. Yeah, it was like a creamsicle. Yeah. That thing was... It looks like that. I'm also <clears throat> thinking of the mixed fruit Berliner Weiss that I picked up that we did. Uh-huh. Um, I kind of smell the saltiness a little bit. I get, like, the tart raspberry. Maybe it's the... Key lime... Yeah, key lime, raspberry, blackberry. I'm not getting any, any strawberry on the nose. I feel like strawberry is the weakest one out of all of that. Mm-hmm. And like raspberry is a pretty dominant flavor if you do it right in a beer. Oh, that's that's delightful. It is. Berries. <laughs> yeah. The key lime, I think, is a good bit of tartness in there that mellows out. It's not that full-on raspberry pucker. They're adding just enough. They're most likely just adding just enough hops to be considered a beer as opposed to a malt beverage and they're relying on the lime to oh my god six and a half percent for a goza um yeah you didn't hear me when i said i zoned out (laughs) (laughs) um so they're probably relying on the limes to bring a lot of that tart forward and maybe it's the pizza that i just ate but i'm getting more salt normally than i need to get on a goza which is good i think it's because i don't normally get the salt so i have the pink himalayan sea salt over there in the grinder if you want some (laughs) <laughs> just rim it real quick. Yeah, just rim this glass real quick. This <laughs> is like a very carbonated margarita. Yes. It doesn't, I think that that mixture of raspberry and lime mm-hmm. gives you that impression of like that prickly feel that like tequila would give. I was thinking like a limeade from Sonic. That too. <clears throat> like a raspberry limeade Alcoholic from limeade. Yeah. That's really what this is. Because I always think of cherry limeade, but yeah, raspberry. Those blackberries, though, do give a different depth to it. So it's not mm-hmm. just that raspberry um, flavor. Yeah, it's not all that bright fruit. It's got a little bit of that dark fruit note. I get no strawberry, though. Strawberry is hard for me to pick up, but I've already finished my taster. <laughs> we have more. We do have enough. <laughs> I have a whole other three in the fridge because <laughs> I had to buy four packs of all of it. Oh, no. You were probably, oh, no. Oh, no. I was when I saw the tap. Oh. <laughs> so I'll take this four pack and this one and this one and. Oh, no. This one and this one. <laughs> and give me two crowlers to go of your, uh, two of your draft beers. <laughs> Dang it. I should not have sent you there. <laughs> yeah. I told you, Andrew, the suds were on your hands. Now, that is, uh, it's a little, it is a little salty. Mm-hmm. Like that salt sticks around. I don't know if that. The salt has a different like quality mm-hmm. than just you know regular rock salt or like whatever kind of salt they use. Yeah. In get what kind of salt do they normally use in gozas? I'm going just to assume some sort of uh, sodium chloride. Yep, I'm ready for the next beer. That, that, yeah. <laughs> they don't source theirs sustainably from the pink mountains of Himalaya. I don't think that's correct. <laughs> Otherwise, what Andrew? Why they call it pink Himalayan sea salt? Wait, is it pink Himalayan sea salt or pink Himalayan salt? Those are two different things. It's pink Himalayan sea salt. Yeah, how do you have sea salt in Himalayas? Uh-huh. 
I can I can get on board with the with the pink, and I can get the on board. Oxymoron. Now this says, the can says just pink Himalayan salt. Yeah, the uh, the descriptor on untap said sea salt. Sea salt. Mm. Can't trust them untappers. Mm. Yeah, but I think my grinder over there even says sea aye, salt. I'll let you talk about the next beer. I'll get a check on that. <laughs> All right. So our next beer tonight is the Super Noculum. So this is an American IPA. Just salt. Oh, just as salt. I'll be darned. <laughs> this is the Super Noculum IPA. Um, it is an American IPA. 6.9% ABV. So only 0.4% higher than the Goza we just had. Why is the Goza so high? <laughs> 70 IBUs. And this is a showcase showcase for classic and timeless Yakima Valley hops. Mm. Uh, simple and delicate malt allows yellow grapefruit, bright pine, and floral perfume. And we talked a little bit about the um, <clears throat> sort of the can art and design. We didn't talk about the last one because it's more just like dark with like bright spots in bright it. spots in it. Sort of like you'd get That's the salt. Yeah, <laughs> this one though it's uh, mostly pink, yellow, um, reddish. Pink. It's pink and yellow, mm-hmm. um, but it's like swirls, sort of like you'd see at an interface between like an oil and water. Just like dyed dyed water mixing with oil. Yep. And I mean, that's the majority of their can art. Like their can art is all of these just kind of like abstract color patterns that kind of like blur together. So So you said that the can art is supposed to make you feel like... um, What you're drinking. What you're drinking. So let's see if we get a, a swirling between yellow and red or yellow and pink. That is... That smells like hot pellets. It does smell like when you open that bag of hops when you're <laughs> when I've done it with you, like open up the bag of hot pellets and you're like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, it, it smells like hot pellets. So it's a showcase for classic and timeless Yakima Valley hops. They're not lying. <laughs> it is a lot of grapefruit and pine. Yeah, very traditional West Coast style. It is floral, but that's that floral note of the hop, like the hot pellety. Like a fresh hop. Like Yeah. That's interesting. Now it is yellowish in color. It's crystal clear. Mm-hmm. It it's between more what I would consider like a traditional IPA color and a dipa. Yeah. In terms of color. Yeah. See, I'm backlit where Andrew is not. So, uh, <coughs> but it's pretty crystal clear. It's still bubbling. There's mm-hmm. just the yeah, little lacing of head on the top of it, but it went away. God, oh, it smells good. I cannot get over that. It's just like hot pellet bag. <laughs> oh yeah, that's. Mm-hmm. Um, so our can yeah. says this is 8%. Sure. The can says 8. The Big Poppy is also 8. Untapped says it's 6.9%. <laughs> okay, yeah. We have a Dippa version. Uh, yeah, this we've got a Dippa. <laughs> that or they changed the recipe after this was originally put on Untapped. Possibly. So, yeah, all of the things I said, floral perfumed envelope, your palate and nose. Envelope. envelope. <laughs> We pay extra attention to the quality of this beer's bitterness to keep it pleasant and approachable. I, I mean, mean it, for a DIPA or even for an IPA, like a, a, tr- a real West Coast IPA, it's not overly, overly bitter. Yeah, it's not as aggressive as a lot of West Coast stuff that you would normally get. It's not even as, like, uh, isn't, which one is it from Wicked Weed? Is it Freak Nature or Pernicious? That's the one. I think it's Pernicious. Yeah, this isn't even nearly as bitter as Pernicious. It's a lot more yeah. subdued. It's not... It's drier. It's definitely oh, it's definitely West Coast IPA, but it's definitely not the next two we're about to have. No, but that's delicious. <clears throat> Very floral. I don't think I've ever had a beer from Commonwealth that I did not enjoy or that I would not drink again. I've only had beers from Commonwealth with you, so. <laughs> so of course you enjoy them because mm-hmm. it's my company. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, it's it's all about. <laughs> or I've uh, purchased the beer and Andrew's drinking. Yeah, I'm sure you're not paying for it. <laughs> All right, so that brings us to the Big Poppy. And since I'm not checking salt, I will talk about it. This is a NEPA, a New England double. Uh, it's 8% alcohol, 61 IBUs. So it's a lot of IBUs for a NEPA. Admittedly, my NEPA, uh, my version of altogether, was in the 60s as well. Andrew is also... Uh, I my, my IBUs are fine. In his ABVs. He's gotten better. I've gotten much better. Um, actually, I was just checking my efficiency this past week and trying to build an efficiency into my system because I have a new setup now. So <clears throat> uh, It's the 8% big brother of Papi Cholo. Oh, Cholo. 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 
Uh, it is supposedly super juicy with low bitterness. And we've talked about before, having high IBUs does not necessarily mean what your perceived bitterness is. You can yeah. get really, uh, the IPA that I've got in the fermenter right now is supposed to be north of 70 IBUs, but it's not gonna be that bad when you actually drink it. it it's supposed Yeah, it's to- all about when you add the hops, right? That it- High IBUs doesn't necessarily entail super bitter. Yeah, let me actually let me check that because what I, well I use a high a high alpha acid hop, um, but it is uh, yeah it's actually north almost eighty it's seventy eight IBUs. There you go. Well, so just for a reference because I've never had the poppy chulo that this is the double version of mm-hmm. the poppy chulo is only six and a half percent ABV so you jumped up a percent and a half it's. 56 IBUs, so the IBU difference isn't really that big either, 5 IBUs. Hmm. Um, but the Papi Chulo is a New England-style IPA that's brewed with Citra, Mosaic, and Idaho 7. Okay, so that actually helps a little bit with what we're expecting from here. So that I'm assuming they probably didn't change the hot bill, but they probably just... Bumped it up. Yeah, amped it up for the double version. Yeah, and they probably rely a lot on dry hopping. Um, it's got that Idaho 7 smell. I'm betting money this is going to taste like 90% of the stuff that comes out of the other half. <laughs> it, it, it kind of I'm thinking that the next one is going to be more other half because it looks like it has oat in it. Yeah. That smells like other half-ish. It smells very much like other half. <laughs> it is. Other half goes crazy with their mosaic. And that, that's but that's a, also a compliment in this regard because... I love other half. Beer. Well, yes, but I'm, I'm not sure it's a good thing for your beer, but they go crazy with mosaic. And if you're using a lot of mosaic in your dry hop, you're going to get the same um, flavor profile. Flavor, well, especially smell. aroma that other half does. Yeah. So this is not as clear. It's got a little bit of haze on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like a hazy boy, New England the next IPA. One is. Yeah, the next one is. Uh, but it's a little more, it's golden in color, still like an IPA. It's got a little more head. Mm-hmm. Um, it's lingering a bit. It is lingering a little more. It's got that slightly, so Mosaic, there's another beer podcast that I listen to, and it's interesting because one of the panelists, she, she's a certified Cicerone, mm-hmm. but she is extremely sensitive to Mosaic, and she gets the off flavors of it when she tastes it. Mm. And apparently off flavors for Mosaic are onion and um, like cheese, hmm. like cotton cheese. Stanky cheese. Stanky cheese and like heavy onion. So that's also like anytime they have a Mosaic beer, she like oh. hates it. Did I ever tell you about that stanky cheese I had in England that tasted like dirty diapers? No. Okay, we can keep going. <laughs> okay. that, that might be an off mic story. <laughs> but it does have that little bit of like. Easy, like mosaic does have a slight body odor, aroma character to it, yeah. and flavor, but that's not out of whack. Like it's supposed to be there. But I'll say, Big Dan was telling me he every time he makes an IPA with mosaic, he keeps cutting back on the amount of mosaic because for him, with his flavor, with his palate, and with what he's brewing, he's he sees mosaic more as a multiplier of flavors. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bring a lot itself to the party but it brings a lot it makes everyone else better yeah um is the way he describes it so he keeps cutting back his mosaic because it's just not it's not doing anything he's just wasting money buying all these mosaic pellets that's not doing anything to his beer so that is a little eoe but in a good way um yeah if you can say that as a compliment it's it's like my natural musk yes (laughs) this beer's natural musk it also is just a teeny bit peppery to me like the tiniest bit like arugula-ish peppery greens yeah i think i can see that yeah i can see that and i mm-hmm. i kind of like like this would pair really good with like a goat cheese arugula salad with like a oh yeah vinaigrette and yeah, some yeah, 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 yeah. walnuts or something <clears throat> something like sharp to walnuts. cut that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a nice or creamy goat cheese well, creamy goat cheese but then like a, a sharp vinaigrette mm-hmm. yep i would be interested to Taste this side by side with the the little baby, the little the little puppy chulo, the little pa- little puppy chulo. Is that redundant? Puppy chulo. I don't speak Spanish. Extra. <laughs> <laughs> speak Spanish. If it was in German, we can talk, but it's not, so we're not. Um, if it was in French, we could parlez vous, but 
it's not. Mm, parlez-vous. <laughs> <laughs> I always think about the French beer I was over there. Oh, yeah. I'm a bell pretzel. <laughs> uh, we didn't talk about the art on this one, um, but this is more... Um, it's purple? It's purple, pink. And it's actually white. It's actually a gradient is what it happens. So it's, it has a... It has like a really rich, rich dark purple, and it sort of fades into a white, or into fades like, up to a white. Yeah, like dark, deep dark, almost black purple, into lighter mm-hmm. purple, into pinkish, into white void space. Yeah. It almost looks more like an explosion. It does. Instead of a swirl. <clears throat> Actually, that's probably exactly what it is. So you have the start of the universe here, where mm-hmm. it's, there's not a lot of white. And the big thing. It's exploding out. You're getting to this. As the universe expands. Yeah, and the universe expands into the dark matter. And it keeps expanding until everything in the universe has a cold, silent, quiet death. Until entropy. <laughs> so that brings us to <laughs> as we contemplate the heat death of the universe. <laughs> yeah, as Andrew gets all morbid on us, let's uh, as we look. I to have the been future, locked inside for three mm-hmm. months. What were you expecting? <laughs> well, as Andrew talks about the future of our galaxy, let's talk about this future classic of a beer Ooh. because that's what it's named. Boom! Future classic. Oh, Segway. <clears throat> look at that. Who says we can't do this? <laughs> God, we have a we have a career in radio. Certainly not television. No, we have <laughs> we have a face for radio. So this is this is the future classic. Um, it is another New England double slash imperial IPA. This is eight and a half percent ABV. There were no available IBUs on this one. It is a double IPA made with Strata, Citra, and Hallertau Blanc. It is a timeless combination of dank passion fruit and citrus. So Hallertau Blanc is an interesting hop. It is actually a um, crossbreed between the German Hallertau and something in New Zealand. So Nelson wasn't there. Nelson Savion. It may be a crossbreed with that. Uh, Yeah, because that that Nelson Savion makes me think of Savion Blanc now. Correct, and it's supposed to. Um, And actually, the Enigma that I just brewed with also gets those same Savion Blanc notes. Yeah, but it's hard to tell what that is, right? Because it's Enigma. Got him. Uh, but yeah, so this is an interesting mix because it's got this that, is cloudy oh, as shit. Yeah. So there's probably a lot of oat or something in there, like oat or something so, yeah. in there. Oh, that's other half. That's also very peppery. Like where that other one had some peppery grains in it. I'm not getting any pepper. Ah, oh, God. I also have one working nostril today. This is also. It has a lot of passion fruit, some grapefruit and citrus. I mean, it's a lot of like that zesty citrus. I'm not getting, oh, there it is. If you give it a little swirl and you give it a sniff, I get a little bit of that grapiness from the Hallertau Blanc. I get a, I don't get any of the, like the pineapple that I expect from the Strato. Strato may be overpowered by the Hallertau Blanc. Yeah. But I do get some of the passion fruit you were talking about. Oh, that smells really good. This might be the one I'm most excited about. Next one's the one I'm most excited about. Uh, that one's yours to finish. <laughs> Good, because I have four of them. <laughs> or you can take one home. I was, well, I have to go home at some point. No, you can take one home. I might like, do that. One of the still yeah. uncracked ones. I may actually do that, but I, I will absolutely not be drinking any more than my poor. That's like no available IBUs, but that's like not bitter at all. Well, you wouldn't expect it to be. Um, yeah. They're probably using, honestly, I'm, I will bet money that they are getting all of their, um, they're doing all their hop additions into the Whirlpool or in the um, uh, dry hopping. All about technique, baby. Well, I mean, that's why, you, so your, your IBUs, you're just putting an itty bit in at the beginning to give it some bitterness, like maybe 25 IBUs or something like that. And then everything else, you're adding your hops at cooler stages where it's going to be off-gassing and cooling off, and that's going to be your flavor. And then you do your um, <clears throat> your dry hop for your aroma. I will say that one, probably my favorite of the IPA so far. It's that and then the... Um, big poppy, supernaculum. No, the big no the uh, supernaculum. Yeah, the supernaculum. No, 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 no. Actually, the big poppy. I like the West Coast. Um, that was the supernaculum. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yep. supernaculum. So talking can art here. It is honestly, it looks like some sort of like crazy ass 
cloud scenario. You've got yeah. uh, lots of dark blues, light uh, yellows, greens, sort of that that palette cooling going from a you know rich dark royal blue to like a light happy yellow. Um, yeah, sort of spotted. It's a calmer color palette than what we've seen. The red and the purple. Mm-hmm. Purple is a little deeper, a little more explosive. Yeah, the red is more aggressive, and the blue is very like calming, soothing. But I mean, this beer is calm. Like it's very. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I would say like looking at the can art versus what I'm drinking, it's kind of right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so far the next one. It better be. It's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so before we drink the next beer, while we're finishing up this, let's describe this crazy it blood thunderstorm. thunderstorm. It's a blood thunderstorm. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> it is a dark. It's all dark red. It's black, dark red, and black. <laughs> and black. And it is lightning strikes. And like depending on how the light hits, like I'll let you. Pa- t- uh, yeah, the lightning up. strikes are like much brighter than everything else. Like they light up and kind of fade as you turn the can it looks like you're in the middle of like a cumulonimbus thunderstorm like a thunderhead and it's just lightning and they're all blood red <laughs> it, it's very ominous looking and scary but i'm so excited about this but i'm doing it with you trav i trust you <laughs> read it andrew all right <clears throat> this is the <laughs> ask andrew to read it and then he can't speak spanish diablerie diablerie or Diablerie, yeah. But our, it looks like a mixture of Spanish and French. <laughs> I generally don't know. Um, it's an Imperial Stout, um, 12.5% alcohol, no available IBUs. It's probably around 70 if I was going to guess. Um, 12.5%, maybe. God. We really jumped up there. Yeah, we did. Oh, this is bad. Uh, for those of you not knowing, this is our ninth beer that we've had. True that. That's the last one. <laughs> this is the last one. It's, um, oh, we still have to drink the cans. You do. Okay. I got to drive home. This is going to be Forgotten Rodales all over again. Oh, God. (laughs) That was bad. Uh, Mexican-style hot chocolate stout with chili peppers, cinnamon, dulce de leche, vanilla beans, and cocoa nibs. And I put a note in there, and then I erased it. Travis was selfish when he grabbed this beer because he saw it, and it was about him. (laughs) I saw this one when they dropped it uh, because to be behind the curtain... Andrew and I were debating what brewery we were going to do. It was between um, me going to one bottle shop mm-hmm. where they had about four or five of a different brewery that we were going to do. And then I got on our local beer shop, Beer Co. Instagram. Mm-hmm. So all these beers came from Beer Co. Yeah. All these beers came from Beer Co. in Greensboro, North Carolina. They also have a shop in Graham. Mm-hmm. Um, we've highlighted them because that's where we got all the stuff for Forgotten Rodales when we did them. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anybody's interested in that uh beer code but commonwealth ships to all of our local bottle shops i don't know that they distro to many places i think they distro within virginia north carolina dc and maryland i've never least. seen them at like total wine or anything like that no, so no, they're no, not no. doing like big big no, they're, they're just doing like small private yeah. like small boutique bottle shops but like this is i want to say i did see somewhere that their distro was limited to like virginia maryland dc North Carolina and like maybe Kentucky, yeah, something West like Virginia, that. something maybe like that. Kentucky and like Pennsylvania or something. Um, but yes, I was very selfish when I bought this because not only did they get a fresh drop of Commonwealth the same day that I was looking at going to buy beer, but they also had two beers from Triple Crossing Brewing. I don't know who that is. Uh, Triple Crossing is like competing with the Vale as like top brewery uh, in Richmond. Richmond. Okay. And they have two on tap right now that mm. they're... Oh, that's uh, why you got those two crawlers. That's why I got those two crawlers to go because I was like, I, I need those. You should stop talking and start sniffing. Good. Yeah, this is a... El Diablo, which is Spanish for like fighting chicken or something. Yes, it, it is. A, it's, <laughs> it's just a, an aggressive cock. Are you going to not... Aladdin Nights reference? Oh, no, I was I was uh, going with you. Okay. <laughs> I just don't remember what comes next in that quote sequence, so I was just going to riff. Like Spanish or fighting or something. All right, that's oh. oh. It is. Oh, my heart. Chili peppers. Cinnamon. Cocoa nibs. Uh, that's what it is. Cinnamon. Is like, Cinnamon is driving me crazy. This is like yeah. the big brother version of Choco Vesa. Yeah, this is what Choco Vesa ho- hopes to be when it grows up. Oh, my dear sweet God. And you know how Travis and I both love Chocovesa. Oh, this is... 
Mexican style hot chocolate stouts are probably hands down my favorite beer ever. <laughs> I love mm. stouts with chilies, chocolate, and cinnamon. What is dulce de leche? That's milk, right? No, it's uh, caramel. Leche is milk. Um, the boys have a book up there that has Spanish and English <coughs> in it. And I'm telling you that leche is milk. <laughs> oh, fine. I'll look it up. I'm pretty sure dulce de leche is usually like a... Um, uh, it's like a caramel cream. Oh, sweet Jesus. Oh, oh made dulce de leche. What is dulce? Uh, uh. All right. What do you want to know about it? You want to know how to make it? I don't know. I'm having a moment with my beer. Uh, let's see. It's essentially, it's uh, a combination of milk and caramel. There you go. I don't, I don't care what it is anymore because this thing's delicious. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's good. Mm-hmm. A lot of cinnamon. A lot of cinnamon. Uh, a lot of chili pepper. I'm getting it more on the back end. I don't get it on the front end. I do get more of the um, the dulce de leche, that creaminess. Um, mm-hmm. a, not a lot of vanilla bean and a decent amount of cocoa nib. I think the vanilla bean is the perceived sweetness that you get mm. when drinking this. But like the chili peppers, you get that capsaicin mm-hmm. note. Which is pretty dominant, even after like I've had a couple of sips and it's been sitting for a second. That chili pepper, like yeah, you have this slightest like capsaicin burn in your throat, like right you here. ate a yeah. hot pepper. It's like right in your throat. It's not even. It doesn't even go in your mouth. But like it's, it's not like washed down. It's not mean though. Like I've had some. You know, if you drink a lot, eat a lot of hot peppers, it like it just burns coming and going. But like, and well, like if you ate like a very well spiced Mexican dish that had like. Mm-hmm. Poblano pepper or like, you know, adobo peppers or something like Mm -hmm. the very, it's not like a burn your mouth out. Like we just shove like jalapenos in this beer type thing. It's a very, it's good. It's like ancho chilies almost is probably, they probably used ancho or ancho is usually probably adobo because ancho is usually a bit more uh, smoky, but all right. Oh my god, that's good. Yeah. Okay. So I think this is our number one for the night. Uh, Trav, it's my number one. <laughs> number one in our hearts. Number one in our hearts and mouths. <laughs> um, so, what's your order for tonight? Okay. Uh, obviously the stout. Obviously. <laughs> then honestly, probably the super inoculum. Mm-hmm. The ruby woo. Mm-hmm. Future classic, and the big poppy. Now, I could even move the Future Classic up above the Ruby Woo. But Ruby Woo, I just like Goza's, and that's mm-hmm. a very... It's summer now. It's like middle of June. Yeah. It's been 90 degrees the past week. That's a very good, refreshing summer beer. All those IPAs are like, it's too hot for us to be drinking this stout, but I'm going to keep drinking it. Uh, even with it being too hot, the stout's still my number one. Yes. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, for me, it's definitely the Diablere. I'm going to just butcher it again. For My number two is actually the Ruby Woo. And okay. maybe it's because all the IPAs sort of blend together for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like, they're they're all very good, don't get me wrong. And I would put them toe-to-toe with almost any other IPA. But the Ruby Woo, it was something unique and special. Yeah. Um, but you know what that being said, I honestly felt like each of those IPAs had something very different going on. Yeah, they they, they each had a their own little nuance to it. Um, but to me, like I drink a ton of IPAs normally at home. I have I usually keep I always keep an IPA on draft. So like I always have IPAs in my palate. So drinking something different like a Goza is just always fun. And in my fridge, I have a mix of beer. I have lager IPA, session IPA. Double IPA, out, go <laughs> IPA, double, double IPA, session, session IPA, IPA, triple Goza. IPA. <laughs> I don't have any triples. I bought um, a uh, mix pack from Foothills uh, that has yeah, seen yeah. double hop session oh, and Jade in it. God, I do <laughs> have. Job. I do have some of that Aqua Fresca from uh, the mural from mm, uh, the But um, yeah, I think for me it's uh, Diablere, uh, Ruby Woo. I would probably go with the Future Classic next. And then uh, Supernaculum and Big Poppy are the same to me. Like they're different. They're different flavors, but to me, like they're the same tier beer. Okay, same tier. Yeah, I I like. I I like them the same. I can't drop one. uh, You just hit me in the right mood. I might pick one or the other. Yeah, and honestly, with that being said, like there's not a bad beer in this bottle. Oh lord, no! Like there's nothing that I would not 
I, and luckily enough, because I have four packs of all of them. So luckily there's no duds in this bunch. <laughs> um, but there is nothing in here that I would not drink again. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And do I need it to be about 30, 40 degrees cooler and leaves turning to more appreciate this uh, Diablerie than, uh, yes, I do. But will I drink it? Absolutely. What if we, it got cool. We had this. We had Doppelbach and Roush beer. Mm. And a fire. I wouldn't ruin this beer with a Roush beer. No, we start with the Roush beer. <laughs> okay, we start with so, the Roush So we have the, the smoke on the our smoke, palate already, and then we toss this on. Oh. And then we toss the chili peppers on it. Oh my God. Could you, oh, that'd be so good. All right. <laughs> this would be something I would want around like Halloween or Thanksgiving or something. Yeah. Or Christmas. Um, gosh, that was good. All right. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We certainly did and mm-hmm. learned a little bit about Commonwealth Brewing, which has really become like very fastly a very popular mm-hmm. brewery craft brewery now if you're outside of you know the five states on the east coast that i think get them you probably don't get it that much but uh and, you know if you're ever in the virginia beach area on vacation they're right there yeah um definitely stop in and give them a try and that was a very interesting story for me like if i were those people i would have never never left never left and <clears throat> opened up a brewery but obviously <laughs> they know what they're doing yeah. Well, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, hit us up if you have any ideas for breweries or other episodes you want to see this year. Uh, at our, uh, you can email us at brewnewspod at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Instagram at brewnewspod, uh, Twitter at brew underscore news. We apparently have a Facebook. Travis reminded me. Um, we have, to have it for the Instagram. Oh, yeah. Because Facebook owns Instagram. Oh, silly, silly Facebook. Um, uh, you can follow Travis on Untapped at Matternuts. Yes, and you can follow Andrew at Tuba Steve. Don't do where that. Where you may see one check-in every six months. Give or take. Give or take. <laughs> I promise you I am drinking more beer than that. It Just actually only took six months of us doing the pot for him to even figure out how to unlock this and how to do that. So that being said, thank you guys Cheers. Cheers.